Hello, and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in, and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. All right, let's go to Zechariah, the third chapter. Zechariah, the third chapter. Zechariah, the third chapter. All right. We started a new series entitled um, Behind the Scenes. And so um, last week we talked about the unseen realm. And so the purpose of this series was to show the operation of God in the unseen realm so we can navigate our natural reality. I want you to understand something and, and, and make this very clear that uh, the seen realm did not birth the unseen realm. It was the realm in which we don't see that birth what we do see. For Corinthians tells us, for the things we see are temporal, but the things that we do not see is eternal. The pattern of how the earth works is because of what God laid in the unseen realm. And what's done in the unseen has a huge effect on what you see here. Is that making sense? So everybody think, oh, things are just happening the way that they are. No, things don't just happen the way they are. I established last Sunday in a teaching and then a teaching pastor, our teaching pastor, Pastor Vernon Hill, as myself, we went deeper on Tuesday night to show you how God set up a divine council. He called them the sons of God. So in that, you see that the sons of God are these divine beings that may be a little higher than the angels, and, or we may not know if they're angels themselves, but we know that God has a hierarchy system in the, un, in the unseen realm. And that God gave them a little, gave them in Colossians chapter 1, we see that he set up prince, uh, powers, principalities in the unseen realm. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17 will let us know that, all right? And so uh, we, we established the, 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 the reality of this realm, okay? This Sunday, I want to take us a little deeper in. So I want to I want to go a little further. All right. And so by the end of this series, I want you to be able to recognize and be aware of what spiritual warfare actually is. Because a lot of what you think it is, is not. And see, we didn't preach to you and told you that the devil who used to be called Lucifer was the only antagonist. It is not. <laughs> we tell you that, oh, the devil is busy. He's not omnipresent. There were sons of God in Genesis 6 that, that lusted after the woman and got out of the, uh, out of the plan of God. That the, the, Lucifer was not the only one that rebelled. There were other principalities and powers in which God put in place that they did not stay in obedience with God's plan. And so not only are you, let me tell you something, there is a power and a principality over all four corners of this earth. And you wonder why certain spirits are predominant in certain places. Why? Because whatever a spirit is predominant in, that is what the reigning ruling power is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I want to take us a deeper look. Sometimes we think that... Um, Sometimes we think that when they say, oh, there's a war going on in heaven, we think there's a fist fight. As I told you last week, God has a judicial system. 
is almost set up in a, like a court, and God is the ultimate judge of the unseen and the seen. And he makes all the final call. He doesn't have a jury that makes <laughs> He doesn't have a jury. <laughs> you know, he, he may get input from the council, but ultimately it's his decision. Ultimately, it's God's decision. God, he reigns over the unseen and the seen. And even though that there are powers that he has set that may have walked in disobedience from him, they still only have but a leash of what they're able to do. How do I know this? It's because this is what God told Satan in Job chapter 1. And he, and, 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 he sa and he said, did you inquire of my servant Job? And then Satan made an accusation saying, well, you could have protection on him. I bet you if you took away all the good stuff from him, I bet you he'll curse your name. God said, okay, I'm going to allow him to be uh, tested by you. The only thing you can't do is you can't kill him. So that you see that his power is controlled. And not only his, but the divine counsel, power is controlled. So let's go into a courtroom session this morning. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. And it reads, uh, then I'll read it here. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. I want you to see that already this is similar. It's parallel to Job chapter 1. That in Job chapter 1, the sons of God and Satan presented themselves to the Lord. Here we have it is that Zechariah is having a, a, a vision. The angel of the Lord is guiding him and showing him a vision of this man Joshua. Now he is not to be confused with Joshua the son of Nun. Let's just make that clear. Now, if you don't know who he is, Joshua's the guy that led the children of Israel after Moses died. Joshua was the guy that God came to and said, hey, my servant Moses is dead. You're next. All right? This ain't him. This is another guy. His father ain't none. <laughs> he got another father. All right? And so here we go. The angel of the Lord, now this could be directly Jesus Christ himself, this meaning that this is, you can see Jesus in the Old Testament, meaning that it could be a theophany, that Jesus revealed himself, not in his full, not in his, not, not in his uh, uh, that uh, theophany is more so he could appear uh, in, in human form. Most of the time he put, uh, uh, appeared in human form. Or could he appeared in fire when we saw in, uh, uh, in Exodus chapter 3. And so we don't know this could be Jesus himself or uh, this angel is using the authority given to him by God indirectly. Yeah. All right. And so what we have here is, is that this is a courtroom now. He's standing before God, the angel. Excuse me. He's standing before God. Right. He's standing before him. And Satan is at Joshua's right side. And what is he doing? He says he at his right hand to oppose him. He's at his right hand to oppose him. Let's read some more. Zechariah 3 verse 2 says, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? 
Let's go a little further. Verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed, this is important for you to know later, with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Verse 4 says, then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Let's go to verse uh, verse 5. And I said, let them put a clean turban, which was a part of the priestly garments that they wore, put a turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. Then he said, then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you walk in my ways and I I mean, if you walk in my ways and if you keep my command, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. He's talking about the council here. O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you. For they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. We're going to see that in a second. Verse 9, for behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its, its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Zechariah, verse 10, this is a little bit more reading than I normally do, but... This is important. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. I want to talk to you just briefly on the subject, the verdict. The verdict. The verdict. So the verdict is, the verdict is in. Here we have Zechariah again. He's, he's, he has this vision of Joshua, the high priest. And here in his vision, y'all, that he's standing before God, the judge. So we have here, we have, we have someone who Satan is the accuser. We have God, the judge, and we have Joshua sitting here being uh, accused. Uh, and, and, and this is important here because the word standing before, it has the idea of two things. One, he's standing in his priestly service. That, that, that actually he's in the presence of God standing before in his priestly service. This is what you have to understand that they in that day did not have the ability that we have. So uh, there was a high priest that had to stand before the people to make atonement for the iniquity and the sins of the people. So one man went before everybody. All right. I'm glad that does not, that that's not the case now. Amen. I'm glad Jesus settled that and we can all do this because trying to get find goats and, and lambs and trying to do all that. That's a little messy. You know what I'm saying? That's a bit much. You know, but here we have it, ladies and gentlemen, is that that Joshua is standing before him. And so he is doing his priestly role. Now, I got to backtrack for a second and give you context to this, that in the book of Zechariah, this is them coming out of captivity. This is important because in the days of Daniel and Ezekiel, there had not been any priestly work. 
So God is restoring the role of the high priest. There had not been any work from the high priest until this moment. And, and Joshua linearly would be considered the next one in line to be the high priest as he's, as he's leading the people out of captivity. Does that make sense? They're coming out of captivity. Uh, the Persians allowed them to go back. All right. And so they're rebuilding the second temple. And the goal was is that they had to finish. And God encouraged them, hey, you got to finish. Why? Because the Messiah would present himself in that temple. So what they were trying to, what they had to finish was for the, that's why the, the second temple didn't look as good as the first. But what they had in the second temple was the Messiah, the presence of the almighty God standing within that temple. That's the important thing here. Deuteronomy 10 at verse 8 says, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him and to bless him, to bless in his name to this day. And so he would be considered a Levite. He would be considered set apart doing the work of the ministry. And here we have it, ladies and gentlemen, not only is he standing in the priestly presence of God, meaning that in that time when they came to atone, this is very important, they had to wear certain garments. And certain garments represented certain things. And so what is assumed here is that he had on the type of garments that would be almost like in shame and iniquity because he's off. He's coming to God um, to, to, to bear uh, almost to bear the sins of the people in front of uh, up to the Lord and, and ask for forgiveness of sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. And so here we have it is, is that is that he's standing in filthy garments and here's the second thing that you have to understand what this standing before uh, alludes to. It also is used in a judicial sense that a person appearing before a judge, either as a plaintiff or a defendant, he's standing before God, the judge, and the divine counsel. The angels are present. The sons of God are present. And they said, Satan, this is the same. Now let me show you something. Satan is not a name. It's not a name. Satan, ladies and gentlemen, is a title. That's not, Satan is not a name. I want to make that clear. It is a title. That's why some commentators will, are, are, some commentators get into an argument about, well, who actually was this? But we will infer that Satan that's here, the title that was used, is referring to the same person that got kicked out of heaven, the devil himself. Only because what we see is he's doing the same thing he was doing in Job chapter 1. He's going around seeing who he could do, and we see his attributes in Revelations 12, verse 10, that tells us that he stands day and night accusing the brethren. So the devil himself is staying day and night making accusations around all of us. 
And but let me also say this. He may not be the only one. <laughs> and what I mean by that is in in and as I, I got to go back to Daniel chapter 10, when there was when there was a revelation trying to get to 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 uh to Daniel, the angel told Daniel that he was held up by a ruler in Persia. He was held up. That means that he didn't say Satan held him up. He said there was a demonic power, a ruler over Persia that held up the revelation, and Michael the archangel had to come and help me. Are you hearing? Are you seeing this? He said he had to help me. And so we can infer here that Satan is doing what he normally does. Standing there making accusations. He's accusing this man. We don't know what the specific accusation was, but we can infer based upon what we, the clues that we see in the scripture that it says that he had on filthy garments. The word in the Hebrew filthy, filthy means so vile, disgusting. He's saying, that, and that's how sin is. It's vile. It's disgusting against God. And he's looking at him, and the devil is accusing this man. He's unfit to be a high priest. <laughs> he's unfit. And not only is he saying that about, not only is he saying that about Joshua, he's saying it about Israel. They don't deserve to be in the presence among the council. They don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to stand as a pastor in God's house. You don't deserve to stand as a worship leader or, or, or a drummer or a musician or whatever you do for God. You don't deserve that. They're filthy. They're disgusting. They're all of this stuff. And you know what happens is, is that the time we think the accusations that the devil makes are a lie. And the reason why people fall into the accusation is because in your mind, you feel like there's some truth there. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to be in denial. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. God rebukes him. Even before he could spew the accusation. <laughs> and the reality is, here's what, I, here's what I've been thinking about. You know how people fall into the trap? Is that, yeah, we know the devil is a liar, but there are certain things that he, see, this is what he does. He'll take a truth and then put a spin on it to then make you fall into it. And this is what people do. You value more of Satan's accusation because you feel that there's truth there rather than going with what the truth of God's word and what he said over your life. And so a lot of times we lose spiritual warfare and we lose battles is because the battle is already lost when you believe that about yourself instead of believing that, uh, believing what God has said about you. And see, here's the thing. And God will use people and different things to try to, 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 to try to make you remember what you were and what you did this, and they play a lot of highlight reels from the past, and then you start sinking into that, making yourself believe that, oh, man, I don't deserve this. And you know what? You're right. I don't deserve it either. He did not deserve to be there. 
they committed sin. God just put them in exile because of their disobedience. You know what? You're right. I know this is challenging some people. You know what? You absolutely right. I don't. But here's the interesting thing. The judge of the universe, God himself, rebukes this man. He rebukes him. He rebukes this spiritual being. He says, Satan, I rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Same words that Michael the archangel used in Jude chapter 1 when he was come up, coming up against uh, Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke you. See, you have to understand what authority you stand in in spiritual warfare. <laughs> you can't allow. He, listen, he is, I mean, Satan coming at him with every accusation. Look at him. Look at him. Look at her. You really going to let him stand in the presence of you like that? You kicked me out for that. Come on. Come on. I'm trying to help somebody. Listen. You kicked me out for that. You really going to let them slide? This is the truth. He looks at them, right? Making all these accusations. And here we go. Here we go. He says, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebukes you. It is not a brand plucked from the fire. Listen, they have already gone through enough. They've already gone. See, the problem is that you have, this is the thing. The enemy and the enemies of this world wants to keep you in condemnation and shame. They want to keep you in the sin while God is saying, listen, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? What does that mean? What does that even mean? It said a brand is a burning, burnt, or a smoldering piece of wood. Think of a campfire with a blackened, charred chunk of wood smoking in the ashes. It isn't worth much at all and will be consumed completely if it's not plucked from the fire. What God is saying, listen, the Lord said, I rebuke you. Is this not a brand that has been plucked? They've gone through enough. I've put them in enough with the exile. (laughs) Isn't that enough? See, here's the thing is, you don't understand that here's what's happening behind the scenes. God is defending you amidst the accusation. God is not naive of what you've done. But God says, The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. And because I chose them, you just can't talk any type of way about them. And he said, listen, haven't they gone through enough? Haven't they been through enough? Yes, that's enough. They already know they went through that sin. Yeah, they already know they committed that. They don't, listen, rebuke you. I already seen it. And guess what? I judged them for it already. (laughs) Oh, my God. I judged him for it already. He says, isn't that enough? He screws these accusations. But here we got it. Is that he says, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem. Oh, this is important. Can I show you the connection of the Old Testament merging with the new? Romans 8. Romans 8. 
Let's go here. Romans 8, verse 33. I want to show you this. Let's go here. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. You think that justification is a new concept. <laughs> but God demonstrated justification in the old. <laughs> what am I mean? He said, isn't it God that chose Jerusalem? He said, I've chose them. And because I've chose them, they're my elect. And then Paul comes in New Testament and says, who can lay a charge against them? Who can lay a charge against God's elect? And not only other, not only uh, uh, the principalities of this world, but even yourself, who can lay a charge against you? You will lay a charge. God said, listen, you don't need to lay a charge against you neither because a lot of people's deliverance is held up because they all can't forgive themselves. And so you stand as your own accuser. Every time you mess up, here you go making accusations. The devil don't even got to do it for you. You start talking about yourself. <laughs> and he's saying, who will lay a charge? Who can lay a charge against God's elect? No one can. It is God who justifies. Listen, Satan, you can't talk to them because I justified them. You can't lay an accusation on anyone who I have chosen as my elect. <laughs> let's continue to read here. It gets better. Romans 8, let's keep it moving. Verse 38, verse 39. We read this all the time. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. But you don't read it all. Nor height, nor depth. Let me see here. They missing one there. 38, let's say, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, watch this, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Do you not see that it said not angels, principalities, powers? Who do you think that's referring to? Those in the unseen realm who stands in the council as well, who may be against God and his people. He said, not even they can do anything to you. <laughs> not even they can pull you away from my love. Not even their accusations can rip you, rip them from, rip you from me. This is blessing me. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Not just in the sea. You think your fight is against somebody in front of you. Your fight is not against flesh and blood. But principalities, powers, rulers, and the dark world. And here it is. He says, nor any other created thing. He said, not no created thing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, not a zero, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because he said, I justified you. And who I have justified. Oh, my God. Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, mind you, he's in the presence of God. And yes, he don't deserve to be there. But God didn't justify him because of his own merit. He didn't justify Jerusalem because they didn't did good all their time and they never disobeyed God. No, he justified them because of his grace and his mercy. And because of his grace and mercy, mercy came into the room and God told Satan, I rebuke you because they are my chosen. And you don't know how in behind the scenes, the mercy of God has gone into your defense when there have, should have been things that you should have been found guilty of. And God says not guilty. And how do we get not guilty? Well, there was a Friday. Oh my God, help me in here. It was a Friday where Jesus hung on a cross. They nailed him in his hands and nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns in his head. Oh my God. And Jesus said, it is finished. And so with it being finished, that means that every sin that you, have, that you could even think present, tomorrow or future, has been covered by his own blood. And Paul would tell us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so that now Jesus went into the mercy. Oh my God. Jesus went into the temple and he laid the blood on the mercy seat. And so whenever, you, oh my God, God looks at you. He looks at his son just covering you. Oh my God, it's his son. That's all he sees. He sees the blood that was applied. Hallelujah. Uh, there's a song that says, though my sin is as scarlet, oh my God, Jesus will make it as white as snow. Hallelujah. Isaiah 64 will tell you that your righteousness is as filthy rags. It is not your righteousness that declares you justified. It is the, oh my God, it's the blood of Jesus. That see, let me tell you something. The blood goes into the unseen realm. That's what Jesus, it goes in the unseen realm. Hallelujah. And so every time that your name comes up in court, hallelujah, the blood has been applied. You can't judge them. Uh -uh. <laughs> you let me handle my son, but you can't say nothing about it. You let me handle my daughter, but you ain't going to say nothing about him. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. It was just like how my parents raised me. Hallelujah. They handled me in the back. But you ain't going to talk about them in front of me. You ain't going to try to lay an accusation in front of me. I'm going to cover them behind. But I'm going to handle you right now. Woo. Woo. I'm so glad that my daddy, he covers me. I'm so glad that my daddy defends me. And even though I feel guilty, he says, no, you not. And this is grace personified. And do we? We don't trade God's grace in vain and distinct that we could do it. No, when you understand this level of defense, that great, when you see the grace of God, then it makes you want to live right. It makes you want to do right because, yo, if God is doing all of this for me, Yo, if he's doing all of this for me, I don't deserve this. But if he's doing it for me like this, I gotta touch. 
I got to do something. It's not saying that you're going to be perfect. It's not saying that, but I've got to at least strive for holiness, righteousness. It's not nothing deep. Striving for holiness, being set apart, striving for righteousness, trying to do the right thing. It ain't deep. It's simple. Here we go. He said nothing can separate you from the love of God. He said, listen, I want you to do this. Let's go back to Zechariah, and I got to finish because we got to get out of here. I ain't keeping you here long. Let's go. Here we go. This is what he did. This is what God did. He rebuked them, but he didn't let them stay filthy. <laughs> he rebuked Satan, but he, you want to make an accusation about clothes? We can change that. He said, here it is. He says, then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him. Talking about the council. He tells one of the angels, he says, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich, right, with rich robes. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When this earthly body yeah. goes back to where it is, and I put on, oh my God, when I put on immortality, hallelujah, God will robe me with a robe of righteousness. He'll robe me with a robe of righteousness. He said, listen, on the day you gave your life to Christ, this is what God did. He took that filthy, nasty old man that you had on and it said, if any man be born in Christ, he is a new creation and all things are away Jesus Paul says that when I well my God that when I came to Christ I was oh my God I came into hit the death of his oh my God of his burial he said I died with him hallelujah and if I died with him I surely reign with him Hallelujah. You still talking about what God has already removed from you. Hallelujah. Listen, that has been removed from you. You don't got to live like that no more. You don't got to live with the mindset no more. Hallelujah. That's why he said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because while the old man could die, that mindset got to stay dead. I've put new garments on you. I've not made you new. Hallelujah. Behold, I made all things new. God did not repair the old man. The old man is dead, but you got to keep him dead. You got to stay crucified. Oh, my God. You got to keep that thing crucified. He said, put changes close. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Change his clothes. Come on, put it on him. He want to make an accusation. I'm going to have him change clothes in front of your accuser. Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. In front of your enemy. He said, I will prepare a table right in front of him. Yeah. And in the presence of his accuser, the angels of the Lord come and put a new robe on him. 
put new fine garments on them, put new fine linen on them, change his clothes, change his identity. Hallelujah. That y'all went from being in condemned condemnation, but now I'm calling you justified. You were in shame, but I'm now calling you the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. You were you were downtrodden, but I'm saying that you're whole. I'm changing your name. I'm changing your identity. I'm changing those things that you used to wear. You ain't gonna wear them no more. I don't know when it finishes. I gotta stop. I'm running out of time. I gotta go. Here we go. He said, I'm gonna change their name. But here, here we go. This is the thing that blesses me. Oh my God. Let me let me see something. Let me see. Let me see. Here, here, here we go. Ephesians. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love, which he loved us. Oh, my God. Ah, he, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And here we go. Here we go. Verse, uh, verse, verse uh, 6, it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I got to show you one last thing. Here we go. He says... This is what God told Zechariah. I'll pick this up on Tuesday. But here's what he says. Thus says the Lord of hosts. He gave him almost a parallel same charge. He gave Joshua the son of Nun. He says, watch this. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts. If you walk in my ways, this is what I'll do for you. And if you didn't, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house. Speaking of the earthly house, the temple. That's what he was referring to. Then he says, and likewise have charge over my courts. He's talking about, I'm giving you charge over the courts. We understand that there was an inner court or outer court. He said, I'm giving you charge there. But this is what he says. He says, I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. Oh, if I suffer with him, I'm also going to reign with him. And the other thing is, he said, why? Oh, my God. This is what God said. Listen, if you walk in my commands, guess what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to make you the, you see who, you see the council here. You see all of those represented here. He said, guess what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to let you have a seat. Oh my God, I'm going to give you a place here. Let me tell you something. Every believer ought to be excited that when you finally get to the end of this thing, God said, listen, if you walk in my way, if you walk in my command, I'm going to give you a seat in the council of, oh my God, in my council. I'm going to let you be able to judge angels. Oh my God, I'm going to give you the ability to stand here. <laughs> I'm gonna let you stand here. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you have some rule here. <laughs> I'm gonna let you rule with me. I'm gonna give you authority. I'm gonna give you certain places. I'm gonna give you. Say, hey, you take over that territory there. The sons of God who didn't rule well, you're gonna rule well over there. God's gonna care. Oh my God, God's gonna make sure of it. And guess what? In the court of God, 
there's only one person's opinion and thought that matters and that's God and so ladies and gentlemen the verdict that came to the courtroom that day after all the evidence had been presented after all the accusation has been made after all the deliberation had took place there was the God of the universe who stood on behalf of Joshua and said not guilty oh my god he said not guilty that is his verdict and so Satan you get out of my courtroom you get out of here because I've already said that he's not guilty and if anybody will believe on the G oh my god on Jesus they will not perish but they shall have everlasting life oh my god Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that makes me praise God a lot differently when I understand that there could be a guilty verdict on my name. Oh, it makes me praise God from a different place. When you know that, you know that it was against you. You know the evidence was stacked up. You know the devil had some truth in what he was saying. But then God said, ah, mm-hmm, ah, we ain't gonna do this ah, from that TikTok. Oh, not today. Mm-hmm, ah, he he said, no, 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 you ain't going to do that here. I'm not guilty is his claim. Oh, my God. My Jesus Christ. And that's why if they would have known that, oh, my God, if the rulers of this world would have known that Jesus was going to die, they would have never crucified him because they knew that God was given a not guilty verdict on the people of God. Hallelujah. Come on, praise them, stand to your feet. All of those online, I gotta get out of here. But I'm so glad that I got a not guilty verdict. Yeah, sin. Yeah, I messed up. Yes, I'm guilty. But God on high sees the blood. And because of that blood, if any man would run into that flood, they will lose all their guilty stain. That's why you have to live under this grace. It wasn't because of his own merit. It's because of what Jesus did. His righteousness has been imputed upon us. Burning his righteousness has been imputed on us. I may feel guilty, but God said I'm not. (laughs) I know my wrong, but God said I'm not. Don't mean that he don't judge. Now listen, it don't mean that God don't, you know, he, he, it don't mean that there ain't consequences. It just means you ain't guilty. When I disobeyed my parents, there was a consequence. 
But God don't bring consequences in the sense of that he's ashamed or mad at. No, to every decision there is a consequence. But while you may be going through your consequence, <laughs> the devil can accuse you in it. But God said, man, he ain't guilty. She not guilty. <laughs> My verdict still stands. <laughs> and the last time I checked, can nobody take my say away from me? Can nobody stage in a coup against me? Because I created you. Hallelujah. And that's why it would be a danger to not know Jesus. Let me tell you, my friend, if you don't know who Jesus is, I'm telling you, you lost. And there is a verdict on you already. You guilty. <laughs> but Jesus said that if any man be born in Christ, he's a new creation. That all things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. Hallelujah. And you don't got to do nothing crazy. Yeah, there's other gods that exist. But there's only one true God. And his name is Jesus. He is the only one who died and got up. And not only that, but he ascended. And then he sat. <laughs> and guess what? And every time the enemy brings accusation, we got a chief high priest that stands and intercedes on our behalf. Who wouldn't want to advocate like this? I wouldn't want to serve God alone knowing that I have people who are against me. <laughs> and as long as you don't come on to his side, they leave you alone. No, 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 no. You need to know who Jesus is. If you die tonight, where would you go? Where would you go? The unseen realm is real. It existed before this even came to be. He said, listen, I came that you may have life, have it more abundantly. If you don't know Jesus, text that transform 9400. You watching me right now. Don't you get off of this line. Don't you get off here. The mercy of God is applied to you right now. Those of you who are online, you share that link right now with somebody you know. You know this is their moment. You don't know what's going to happen. Look at where the world is going. Look at what all is doing. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to give you reality. Reality is Jesus. He's on his way back. He comes like a thief in the night. No man knows the hour nor the day. Jesus stands at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking on your heart today. Don't you get off of here. Don't you leave this moment right now. Don't know and not knowing who Jesus is. Don't you get off here. You text that number right now. And all your condemnation. And all your shame, oh, I'll get it together. No, you won't. You can't get it together by yourself. You tried that. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day that God changes the garments that you've been wearing and puts on you new garments. Today is your day. For those of you, you want a church home, you've been watching us. I offer, I offer that to you as well. I'm more concerned about you knowing Jesus because there's a lot of people sitting in church going to hell. But they don't know him. 
They don't know him. I give you Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, say this prayer after me and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I acknowledge that you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose again, and you ascended to the right hand of the Father just for me. I don't want to live another day under this shame. I don't want to live another day out of this condemnation. I want to make you the Lord over my life today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, we believe that you've been saved. Text that number. We're going to show you the next steps of your salvation. If you're glad about it, come on and put your hands together and give God a great praise. If you know that the not verdict, the not guilty is upon your name, come on. What would you do if you know that not guilty is upon your name? That God is taking that off of you. You don't got that reputation no more. You don't got that reputation no more. That's what you used to know. That's who you used to know. That's not me anymore. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.